0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Little Bits of Stuff, a podcast that showcases different health-related topics for medical professionals and non-medical audiences. This show is brought to you by Nick Atei, a surgical resident at University College Hospital, Ibadan, Nigeria. And here's your host, Nick. Hi, this is Dr. Nick. You're on to another episode of Little Bits of Stuff, and the first episode of the Child Sexual Abuse series, where I'll be talking about sexual abuse as regards to children and survivors who will be sharing their experiences in each episode. So fasten your seat belts as we dive into this series, The Child Sexual Abuse. Please note that for the survivors' experience in this episode, a voice has been tweaked for anonymity and fictional names have been used if you do get to hear one. It was convenient for her to send recordings of her experience over which you'll be listening to rather than a studio interview. What is child sexual abuse? Child sexual abuse is a form of child abuse that includes sexual activity with a minor. A child cannot consent to any form of sexual activity And when a perpetrator engages with a child this way, they are committing a crime that can have lasting effects on their victim for years. Child sexual abuse does not need to include physical contact between a perpetrator and a child. For example, exhibitionism. I'll look for, you know, something to describe uh, exhibitionism for you. According to Merriam-Webster, it says, a perversion in which sexual gratification is obtained from the indecent exposure of one's genitals as to a stranger, for example, or the act or practice of behaving so as to attract attention to oneself. So exposing yourself to a minor is actually exhibitionism and could represent child sexual abuse. fondling with body parts. Having direct sexual intercourse, of course. Masturbation in the presence of a minor or forcing the minor to masturbate. Obscene phone calls, text messages, or digital interaction with a minor. Producing, owning, or sharing pornographic images or movies of children, sex of any kind with a minor, including vaginal, oral, or anal, sex trafficking is also part of it, any other sexual conduct that is harmful to a child's mental, emotional, or physical welfare is classed child sexual abuse. So, um, I'm sure the list is actually more than this. But these are so just some of the examples, some of the scenarios that, you know, you could classify as child sexual abuse. Now, if you have been doing any of this or something close to this, you may need to actually, you know, check yourself or watch it. It's, I mean, you may, have, you may have been doing it unknowingly, okay? So, but at the same time, you may need to watch it. Now, what do the perpetrators of child sexual abuse look like? Most of them are someone the child or the family already knows. As as, as many as 93% of victims under the age of 18 know their abuser. We'll, We'll get back to statistics later on. Now, a perpetrator does not have to be an adult to harm a child. They can have any relationship to the child. They can be the child's playmate. They can be the child's older sibling. They can be the child's, um, any other family member, a teacher, an instructor, a coach, a caretaker, guardian, whatever you call it. Um, can even be the parents of another child. Okay. Um, I'm going somewhere. Please let me, you know, look after my child. Um, I'm going to the market. I'll soon be back. Please let me watch my child. Or sleepovers, you know, and things like that could actually result into, you know, child sexual abuse. Okay? Um, Abusers usually can manipulate victims to stay quiet about the sexual abuse, of course, using different number of tactics. Often the abuser will use their position of power over the victim to coerce or intimidate the child. They might tell the child that the activity is normal or that they enjoyed it, An abuser may make threats, of course, when all these things don't work. They may eventually start, you know, threatening the child, you know, if the child refuses to participate or plans to tell another adult, which is usually the case most of the time. You know, child sexual abuse is not only a physical violation. It is a violation of trust and authority. So... What are the warning signs? What are the things you, you must look for or things that may give it, give it away that this child, you know, may have been abused or currently being abused? Or, I mean, the abuse may still be ongoing. There are physical signs, behavioral signs, you know, and we'll just take a few. Physical signs like bleeding, bruises or swelling of the genitals. You know bloody torn, stained underclothings uh the child may you know have uh, urinary tract infections and you know have frequent urination painful urination cries when you know the child urinates uh, pain pain itching you know we talked about burning sensation they may have difficulty walking or sitting okay so once you start seeing these uh physical signs or you know um, while bathing the child, you also check and you see there are some inconsistencies, some things that don't look normal. Please visit your doctor. You may just, you know, be exposing or you know seeing evidence of um, a child abuse that has taken place. What behavioral signs, you know, might you see? you know, changes in hygiene, refusing to bath. I'm not saying every child that refuses to bath nowadays because, I mean, it's (laughs) it's a common thing. I'm sure we all did it, you know, but um, excessively, when this child does it excessively, okay, develops fears for, you know, things the child, you know, um, normal things the child usually uh, is not scared about on a very good day, has trouble in school increasingly, you know, absences, you know, has started dropping grades, or you discover this child has inappropriate sexual knowledge or behaviors. Um, child continues to bed wet, uh, has uh, nightmares most of the time, okay? Uh, returns to regressive behaviors. Uh, what do we mean by that? Um, a child that was thumb sucking before and later and has stopped you know, later goes back to thumb-sucking, okay? Um, that is one of the things. Self-harm and suicidal thoughts or tendencies, okay? These are, you know, signs of um, depression or post-traumatic stress disorder. Disorder. Uh, this child may not be able to say anything, but, you know, can usually, you know, exhibit different uh, behaviors that may point you to the fact that, okay, There's something wrong with this child. You don't know what it is, but there is something wrong somewhere. And you should start to investigate that. And that is the essence of this quick overview on what child abuse is. I'll be giving you more tips, more information about child abuse. But before we get to that, let's um, listen to um, an experience shared by one of the survivors
1: I was I was abused at um, age age 9 to 10 when I was in JSS 1 did I know at that time yes I did know what rape was and I knew it was an abuse what was happening that it was an abuse because I didn't want it and um it happened by force, I was taken by force. Yeah, so that is it.
0: She could remember, she knew uh, what was happening at the time when it was happening. Also note that there's so many below that age that at that time didn't know what was happening And also have to, you know, when they get older, they remember these things, and it it dawns on them that that was actually what was happening at the time, and they then relieve the 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 whole oh god the memories, the 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 unimaginable emotional trauma, you know, I I don't even know what to say to that. Anyway, um, we asked her who the perpetrator was, okay? You remember we said most of the time, it may be a family member, it may be um, an uncle, it may be a neighbor, or even your um, parent, I mean, your guardian, caretaker, it can be, you know, most of the time people that, you know, the family already knows, okay? So when we asked her who the perpetrator was, this was, is this, this was what she had to say.
1: Um, was a family member. Mm. My dad. I'm
0: literally off my seat right now. I've listened to this clip over and over again. And each time, I can't just seem to understand. I can't seem to know the reason why. I've tried to justify it. I've tried to rationalize i've i've tried to even spiritualize if there's anything like that i cannot understand why you would give birth to a son or a daughter and decide at the end of the day that you need to have some sexual gratification whatever it is with that same offspring it's it defies all logical reasoning I do not know how to categorize this I do not know how to think about this I do not know what to call it it's just crazy maybe that's the only thing I, I can think of right now I I, I I do not know why I can't I can't understand this really maybe maybe You know listeners can you know help me understand if there's anything anything any reason you can think of any you know justification for why he may have behaved that way why he may you know have you know pounced on on his own daughter i i do not know if there is anything you can say to me right now that you know can actually um justify it but maybe maybe just maybe there may be some bots you know somewhere in nigeria right now statistically there there are one in 10 girls being abused by a family member one in 31 boys is being abused by a family member one in eight however is being abused by a stranger boys are rarely abused by a stranger one in four girls is being abused by a neighbor as opposed to one in ten you know by a family member one in three boys being abused by a neighbor as opposed to one in 31 boys being abused by a family member so what this means is that, you know, more will be abused by a neighbor, this guy, you know, your neighbor that always comes in, oh, okay, help me watch my child, and then go. you go to the market, you know, those kind of things, okay? And uh, more than one perpetrator is present when one in six girls are being sexually abused. These are, these are disturbing statistics, you know things you look at figures you look at and you wonder what is happening it's not like i'm encouraging anything but if if you must do something you don't have a girlfriend you don't have a wife go to a brothel i i don't know i i, I, I well so we asked her to you know give us um you know tell us share with us her experience the you know whatever details she can you know talk about without you know falling back deep into um, um, the feelings and you know trying to you know heal again and things like that so um, this this is what you know she told she told me
1: about my childhood sexual abuse experience well um it started when I was in JSS1. I was 9, 10 there about, and um, it, was, it was crazy, it was really, really crazy. It wasn't something I expected. Like, it, it happened just one night, I was walking out of the room. I, I think I slept, I woke up, then <clears throat> I was going out to meet my mom in the sitting room. All of a sudden, my dad comes and pushed me on the bed, and then covered my mouth and then said to touch me and I was trying to scream and everything but because I was small in size and it was way bigger he held me down and it was it was really really crazy something I really don't like to remember then the event that led to it I think he had issues with my mom because of that sexual thing, maybe she was not giving him what he wanted and everything. Ah, so it was just crazy. And then it went on and on and on and on and on for like like day after day, day after day, week, week after week. It just kept on month after month. I think this went on about for three years. Yes, three years. Yeah. And it was that's always been crazy. Like, <clears throat> I always feared for my life. I was, I was scared of staying alone. I was kind of staying in the dark because every time it happens, there's no light in the house. And even when there's light in the house, most of the time it's always at night. It comes and wakes me up, and then, oh, don't shout this and this and this and that. And then you think just uh, it's really, really crazy, bro. Uh, I I will just have to stop here for now because it's crazy, like really
0: crazy. I'm not even going to try to react to this one. Um, we'll just move on. Um, okay, yeah, we'll just move on. Um, most of these things happen at night. Um. Only one in seven incidents, according to statistics, happen um, during the daytime. And um, one in five cases, you know, um, of child sexual abuse occurs in the girl's home. And, um, oh my. Okay, yeah, so... Half of sexual abuses, you know, abuse cases occurs in the afternoon and, um, you know, one in two cases of sexual abuse also occurs in the afternoon. These are the, you know, prevailing statistics in Nigeria and um, um, also note that um, one in ten cases of sexual abuse occurs in the morning and one in six cases of sexual abuse occurs um, in the morning now I'm, I'm saying these things I'm giving you these statistics so you know um, how bad it is in the world we live in right now and you know that you know if you stay in a particular in um, in a place where there are like six apartments for example and you know you Guys are all family men, I mean, family men with kids and all that. One in that six may be getting abused. I mean, it's, it's as bad as that, okay? it's There's, there's really no, I, I don't think enough awareness, you know, is being made towards this. There should be a massive campaign, More much more than what we're seeing right now, you know, against child sexual abuse. Uh, it's difficult because kids usually can't pick up. Some of them don't even know what, what was happening to them at the time. And you know, difficult, difficult to detect. But I think if we pay more attention and if um, we try to be more careful, things still happen no matter what, but if we try to be more careful, um i think we can you know combat this um this issue as it is okay so uh we'll move on to you know other questions that you know um she answered her psychological well-being um where she is right now how did she cope you know living with the perpetrator how did she cope um having other relationships and so these are the answers you'll be hearing in the next recording
1: how many times did it happen? Like I said earlier, it's it happened a couple of times. I think it went on for about three to four years. And then it was day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It was always like back to back. And then because I didn't I I I didn't have or I didn't have anybody to talk to based on father. I really really didn't know how to associate with the right people. I was not even left alone for a moment to associate with people. So, yeah, that was the reason. It was just back to back, day after day, week after week, month after month. It was really, really terrible. It was a very, very terrible experience, I must say. Did I ever complain to anybody? No, I didn't because I didn't have anybody to talk to. I come from a family where I only associate with my family my family members like my brother, my sister, my parents. We don't really associate with other family members. Not that we don't associate with other family members, but not just close so and they're not people that I can relate to in terms of age. They are much older and they would feel like oh I'm trying to tarnish the image of somebody and something. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't complain to anybody. I just kept talking to myself because I because I always prayed and I always hoped that one day it all just stopped. Yes, so I kept praying that it stopped. Was I ever threatened? No, I wasn't. No, I just wasn't. But I never got the chance to talk because <coughs> every time I tried to talk, it was always there to like bring up something else that will make me not talk and then he would always give me signs like facial signs not to take anything so i was i don't think that was a threat though when did he stop it stopped when i i someone courage to talk, talk to someone okay it stopped way before when i got into school i moved out of the house and then he got a job somewhere else. He had a very busy schedule, so yeah, that was when it stopped. Relationship between me and my parents. Now we have a very good relationship, unlike before, that it was terrible. We just, everybody just minded their own business and did things that was pleasing to them, so that's it. How how has the situation affected my relationship with other people? Terrible. I think for now, though, because then I wasn't able to relate with opposite sex. I was always running away from opposite sex, and I always kept to myself. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't have any friends to talk to, and opposite sex for me was like a red flag they were all like, I even, I even said to myself I wasn't going to be in a relationship with anybody or get married to anybody I didn't even like talking to my brother because I was afraid that okay, my brother could do the same to me so it was it really affected my relationship with people it was, pfft, ah, it was terrible I always built a wall of difference around me whenever the opposite sex comes to me to talk to me there was always a ready-built wall of defense. I was ready to take anything to strike anybody down of the opposite sex that comes to me. So, yeah. I've I been able to get into a healthy sexual relationship with the opposite sex. Healthy sexual relationship, no I haven't. I have not been in any sexual relationship with anybody, I am still myself. Just where I am, <laughs> yeah. It, it, the sound of that even turns me off. Like I don't even. <sighs> I don't think I see myself doing that anytime soon. Yeah. So that has, that is something that has made me promise myself that okay, you know what, I'm not going to go into this thing because I was abused as a child, and then get into a relationship, and then I'm starting to have sex and everything. So, I haven't, no, I don't think I have... No, I don't think I haven't! <laughs> they can't even walk up to me, and the moment they tell me things like that, uh, I just zoom off. No, I, I haven't. How I did I live with at 10 and now? Ah. Maybe because I was still quite young. I wasn't relative, I wasn't social. It was a very big trauma for me it affected me i had to focus on one thing i was i had to focus on my education my sisters and just staying alone not talking to people yeah it made me keep to myself because <clears throat> i wasn't willing to share anything about me to anybody my sad moments my happy moments. i did i have happy moments i don't think i had happy moments then i always wanted to be on my own strive to make my own money work for myself and be good live my life and now i have been able to overcome the trauma i have moved on i think i'm fine i think i'm even in a better relationship with people. I can relate to the opposite sex without having to think of that aspect of my life. And I, I, th- I, think I'm fine. I'm at a position in my life where I think everything is okay. God is fixing me back. So, where am I now psychologically? I am fine psychologically. I am healed. Yes, I'm going through the healing process. I'm fine. And. It wasn't easy, it took a lot of counselling, encouragement, talking to my mom, talking to my dad about it and then everybody, counselling, basically more counselling from people that work with um, um this girl housing and everything. So it took a lot of counseling and now I'm fine physically and psychologically. Although there's still that thing of I don't want to be sexually involved with anybody to marriage could all this have been prevented? I think yes. If I had the courage to speak up on time to my mom, I think that could have been prevented. That's the only thing. But I was scared. I was a child. I I was in shock. I didn't expect something like that could ever happen to me. Of course I read stories, but never expected it could happen to me, but then it did. So, yeah, that's just it. What are things that I would do differently when I have my family? I would, as a mom or a mom be I would watch my girl child closely. I would have a very cordial relationship with her that she can tell me anything and everything at any point in time. I would enlighten my girl child and make her know that she has to speak up when something like this happens, even if it's just a touch, even from family members, even my my male child. So I would teach him not to do that to young girls because it can be really, really traumatizing and. The main thing is getting married to someone who is responsible, who is a Christian, first of all. To avoid all these things and then someone who is very prayerful too. So, I think getting close to my girl child and enlightening her all the more. Telling her things, sharing my experience with her and make her know that it is a terrible thing for a girl child to go to something like this and keep quiet. It's trauma, it's something that will always be there for life. So, yeah, I think that is what. And my advice to parents out there, if you're a mom, please get closer to your female child, because it's really not easy. There are lots of things that some children don't get to tell their parents because they're scared. I know one of the things that held me down was because I was scared of my mom, what she would say, and she just told me that, oh, it's a lie, it's not true, it comes be this country, and then because they want to ruin family you don't want to be doing the relationship in your family and then you don't want to be the cause of the problem in your family you don't, want to, you don't want to have people say oh you are the reason why your family is scattered and then you a problem child and so I will advise that parents please get closer to, to your children enlighten your children and if you know that you are married to someone who can't control himself please please and please keep your children away do everything to keep your children away thank you say anything else i would like to ask no would i like to have a therapy i am fine now so i don't think i need a therapy i'd say prayers because <laughs> it's not easy when you go through something like this and then you are a marriageable age and at some point in your life you'd have to tell people or you have to tell your spouse this story and then it's saddening, it's really saddening when your spouse gets to find out especially that because of this abuse or the person that abused you is a family member and in the long run maybe your spouse is not willing to go further to getting married or start having issues in your relationship because of mm-hmm. things like this so It's all just prayer, we all pray to be happy, but then God gives happiness. So therapy, I don't think I need therapy. I think I'm okay, I think I'm fine, and I think God will sort me out like He's doing and like He has always done, sorting me out, so yes, I'm fine, I don't need therapy. But i also like to ask why is that men can't control themselves even won't young children young children that are not even physically attractive they go after them why that's all i have to ask thank you very much this is really 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 something to always look forward and talk about thank you
0: the experiences of a child's sexual abuse survival strong woman I must say I do not know if I'm as strong as she is But wherever you are um, keep waxing strong and yeah keep praying there you have it guys um, I'm lost for words I won't even lie as regards that question though um, I wouldn't know, I, I, I actually don't know why they do it. I don't know why they feel it's um, attractive um, talking, I mean, um, seeing young girls or boys and then wanting, wanting to sleep with them. I do not know how they find it attractive or how they even you know, get it hard on. But um, I searched on the internet and um, I, I actually got an article uh, that was released, um, uh, I think in 1989 and, um, they, they actually interviewed perpetrators, um, who, um, because what they felt was like, just like, as I'm thinking right now, who, who is the, who is in the best position to actually, you know, answer this question other than a perpetrator. Okay, so there has not been so much that has been uh, said about perpetrators, about why they do it. But uh, this research actually um, threw a little bit of light on their their perceptions, the perpetrators' perceptions. And um, uh, let me see, let me see. Okay, so um, they interviewed how many? 14 male perpetrators of child sexual abuse uh their age ranging from 21 to 54 years with a mean age of 30 years and um oh the the question was what sexual you know uh gratification do they have okay and um they cited a quote from an exhibitionist. Remember, we talked about an exhibitionist as someone who um, derives sexual pleasure from, you know, exposing himself or herself, okay, um, in the front of um, um, a child, you know, in this regard. And you know, this is what he had to say. Okay, so he said immediately before he would expose himself, he said. I began to feel bad and I wanted to feel good. After he exhibited himself and had an orgasm, he reported, I would feel tremendously relieved like some great weight had been lifted. I would drive away feeling free and go to work trying to help other people. Just like nothing had happened. (laughs) So um, they are saying, of course, the experience of an exhibitionist is not necessarily the same as that of, you know, child sexual abusers. And um, this is, this was all they got. This was all they got from him. So um, it's still very much, you know, a mystery right now uh, why uh, they behave the way they do. And I would I won't even um, pretend to have an idea. Um, as to why you know they do what they do yeah so that's that's about it for me so in the middle of the sars end sars revolution also thinking about um what is happening in nigeria right now you also have to you know think about these things what would you do differently how would you react if your family member was sexually abused What precautions should one take as a parent? Do you know what to do if your child has been sexually abused? That's all I have for this episode. Please share this. Let it go far and wide. Someone may actually need this. If you'd like to share your experience on this show to heal, for others to learn from, kindly get across to me via mail at littlebitsofstuffwithnick at gmail.com or leave a comment on my website and I will reach out to you or you can send a direct message on any of my social media handles. You can also chat me up via WhatsApp. A link to my references and helplines and organizations that can help is also in the description for this podcast on my website, which is www.littlebitsofstuffwithnick.com com. Bye for now. And that's it on little bits of stuff for today. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Podcast. You can also get it on Audio Mac and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at little That's l i l b i t s o f s t u f f. And on Instagram at littlebitsofstuff, that's little That's l i t t l e bits of stuff. Until next time, stay healthy.